Welcome back to the choir room for another character study, except today it is characters study today. We are going to be talking about multiple characters. We are going to be talking all season six new directions. There's a handful of these kids to talk about and uh, not a whole lot to talk about specifically when we get into them. Uh, Obviously, there was one season, 13 episodes, a lot of the time which was devoted to other of our main characters along the way. It really wasn't their story, but there is still a story to talk about here with uh, the season six kids. So we're going to group them all together, talk about them, talk about their songs. And of course, I am not alone to do so. Uh, Aman, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, Yeah, I'm season six. I am interested to see if we'll find anything worthwhile in all of these characters analysis because... Yeah, I mean, these kids were sort of, you know, sort of ushered in at the very last minute of the series, and there's quite a few standouts, um, but their storylines are fleeting. They get in and they get out, and then we never hear from them again. So I'm I'm glad that we're giving them their just due and, and spending some more time with them, because season six is uh, season six is an interesting season. I'm not sure that we are going to find anything else. I hope that we do. It's just, you know, looking through the notes and taking, uh, you know, looking through everything uh, to take notes, I should say, for this. It's like you really had to, to look hard to find anything that was kind of worthwhile, which is obviously why there's like six different characters almost or five, five maybe five characters, you could say, that we're going to be talking about today because there's just so little that you can kind of bunch them all together and go through the season uh, sequentially to just talk about it all. Um, there are, you know, there was a lot of potential if they were able to pick up the the show in three years after it got, uh, you know, I guess canceled, uh, there would would have been potential to potentially potential to potentially uh, go back to these kids. But then again, that wouldn't even be the case because they were all graduating. And I don't know how you pick up a timeline like that or some of them were graduating. So I don't know. Obviously, we have uh, today to talk about. We have Roderick. We have Jane. Mason and Madison and Spencer. Uh, also, during season six, we're going to see a little bit of uh, Alistair and Myron, which we'll talk about when we get to their episodes, but there is absolutely nothing to di- uh, dive deep into those two characters. And also, of course, Kitty is here in season six, but we're going to kind of, uh, you know, we'll talk about her when she comes up, but this isn't anywhere near the Kitty analysis. Of course, uh, she's going to get her own podcast. So uh, pretty much focusing on those five characters today and uh, and going through them. So I don't know. What else? What else should we set up here? Um, I mean, do you you have a besides? Okay, I think I was going to say, do you have a favorite of these characters? But I think I know what the answer is. But I don't know. Tell me. Tell me anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, I like if I'm trying to be as objective as possible, like if I'm if I'm thinking about it from a storytelling perspective. Right. And I'm not thinking about it from a victimization perspective, then. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh man, you can say Mason. It's okay. Yeah, but I don't want to be so shallow. Jake Puckerman is in your top five Glee characters. He is, but that isn't just because of victimization. I mean, 
that that has a little bit to do with it. But I honestly just like I liked that character. I was always really interested to see what was going to happen with his storyline. Um, mm, I yeah, I guess just Mason, and it's not even it's not even just solely the dictumization. I just like his voice. I just think that he's he's got one of my favorite out of any of the male vocalists mm-hmm. on the show. I just think that he's just got such a a really real. He's he's just gifted um, in my mm-hmm. eyes. Uh, I, I, you know what? I really, really liked Myron. Um, I thought that he was funny. I thought that he was outlandish, over the top, just like, uh, you know, we saw, we say this thing in the musical theater. It's called the 10 o'clock number. It's like, you know, usually before the end of the second act, but not quite the end of the show where you get like this big, big number that comes and wakes up the audience before the, before the show ends. And that's kind of what i think of when I think of Myron he's sort of just like that that random burst of energy that you throw in towards the end that's sort of like oh yeah this is Glee man this is I'm watching Glee right now because this wouldn't happen anywhere else but Glee and I just I think from from start to finish he's just been a hilarious uh part of the season so I'll, I'll give my in favorite two char- episodes <laughs> in all two, but yeah well, but honestly yeah he's a it's a potent mixture and I feel like he's just a little bit more well pronounced than some of the other characters I mean I think probably second to him would probably have to be Spencer and I'm not really that much of a Spencer fan or maybe Jane after that. So, um, yeah, I think I'll give mine to Myron. I think he was just lots of fun. Yeah. All right. So let's get into these kids. I'm glad that we, uh, I, w- I wanted to talk about them earlier on in our character studies. We're not at the very beginning, but as, uh, before we got too far away from the season six kids, because they are, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but like the more forgettable parts of, of the show, I'm sure that anybody listening to us, uh, unless you're like as, you know, deep into a rewatch or, uh, you know, uh, have recently rewatched or anything like that, you're also probably like, oh yeah, I remember them, but like, I couldn't tell you too much about what happens with them because it's just, it's the end of the show. You're, you know, focusing on the main characters. That's just how it goes uh, for the fans. And that's how it went when we were watching it the first time around, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to today give them a little bit more time. So uh, we have, I mean, we could kind of set up specifically like who these characters are uh, also could kind of just go from episode to episode. I probably should have thought about this beforehand, but um, because usually, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we'll give like a summary. So like, who is Emma Pillsbury? But if you kind of give away who is Jane Hayward, you're kind of telling her whole story uh, in like one sentence at the beginning. So I guess we should probably just start with episode one and kind of work our way down because uh, Rachel Berry is going to make her way back to McKinley and end up taking over the Glee Club as we see early on in season six. But the problem is, of course, at the end, uh, middle of season five, the Glee Club is disbanded. There is no Glee Club. So she has to start from scratch. Uh, Not just her, of course, uh, Kurt is going to join in as well and they have to find people. Uh, The first person, that is going to be the uh, the first potential new member of the club is somebody that they can't even figure out who it is because they hear a voice. They know that there is somewhere in the school somebody who is a good singer. They hear him through the vents of the choir room and they need to track him down. Rachel's running around the school trying to find this guy and it takes a while, but eventually uh, Roderick Meeks is tracked down by the New Directions in the library and... Uh, a little bit forcefully, uh, you know, pushed to audition a lot and of ultimately forcefully. make it into the club. A lot of it forcefully. Uh, completely cornered in that library to get him in there. So, uh, Roderick is going to end up being our first member. Yeah, Roderick, to me, never really stood out too much. Um, I, I mean, they, they were going for this, uh, you know, a guy that's picked on for being bigger than everyone else, uh, with, a, with, a, like, with a heart of gold, the guy that gets bullied all the time. Um, with a voice that can 
sail across the moon. But I don't know. I guess I was sort of sort of tired of that storyline from the get go. But I mean, he's really, really talented. But I don't think I don't. Have, I don't think I ever really was uh, enamored by that character. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the character essentially is uh, he can sing his ass off, and he learned how to climb a rope. End of story, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he's kind of friends with uh, you know, and he learned to be friends enough. with the well, no, because that's not even really it because. It seems like they were going for that, which is still important, of course. Like, oh, look, this straight guy and this gay guy actually end up being really good friends. But we've seen that already happen on Glee. And it never really seemed like Roderick was ever an asshole that had to learn that lesson. It seemed like the gay guy no, was no. the asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, there really isn't that much to it. Which, of course, this is season six, so we're not going to be too critical about that. But um, if I'm speaking objectively, I just feel like I'd never really... Uh, care too much about what was next for Roderick. It was just like, put him up there and sing. No. Yeah, he's uh, he does have that monologue early on where he tells us about how, you know, uh, he's always made fun of. Music is his only friend. He's like, I wouldn't mind having more friends. I just kind of don't. Uh, you know, he's got uh, all of his favorite artists that he just plays in his headphones all day long. Uh, he goes up on the stage to perform. Uh, of course, he ends up, you know, doing the Mustang Sally performance with the Unholy Trinity by his side. Uh, and I, I think it was during that number that they were like, uh, you probably should take the headphones off. And he's like, I'd really rather not. I'd like to keep it on, please. Uh, and it's fine. All right. That's Roderick's thing. He likes to wear the headphones. He likes to uh, have his music going and just kind of, I don't know, uplift him a little bit. If that's that's what makes him comfortable, that's what makes him comfortable. So uh, early on, that's really all we have. But he is going to get into the Glee Club and be our first official member. So, uh, yeah, like low stakes here. Uh, Not anything worthwhile to make the audience go, oh, my God, Roderick, this is an awesome time. Can't wait for this guy to be. And it's just like, okay, cool. Uh, We're just building the Glee Club. So and this guy, this guy, the, the guy that plays Roderick. Meeks, he was discovered on like The Voice, right? Like, I don't think that he really comes from acting. I think that they found him specifically for his voice. Um, yeah, Noah Guthrie, the first member of the Rebooter Glee Club New Directions. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, America's Got Talent. So he's found on America's Got Talent. Um, apparently, okay. he sang Love on the Brain by Rihanna. And well, he does have talent. He's definitely got talent. Definitely got talent. I just don't think that acting was necessarily in that background which would probably mm-hmm. explain why he does he which would explain why he has probably more songs than the other new directions members of season six and less scenes than some of them yeah yeah uh not not a whole lot uh here early on we're, we're just gonna keep going in uh, i guess kind of in sequential order uh as we're in these first three episodes is really when we're kind of meeting the new kids so that's really all we have for roderick here in the early part uh next person up that i guess is worth talking about jane uh jane is over at dalton academy she is going to come up to mr blaine anderson who has now taken over the uh coaching spot of the warblers and she's gonna introduce herself and say hi I, i'd like to join the war and Blaine's like, what the hell did you just say? You're a girl? What are you doing here in the first place? What? No. Uh, Blaine is, uh, it, it takes him uh, by surprise that this is, uh, that Jane is even there uh, proposing this to him. It's not that he's totally against it. It's just like he knows the Warblers. He knows uh, the tradition that's gone on at this school. And that's his first thought to be like, yeah, I don't know about this. Uh, of course, all of his friends and loved ones that he comes over, you know, he has dinner with that night. They're like, of course you can't say no to her. Like, what? 
Like, what do you mean tradition? Like, you you have to you have to give her a chance at the very least. So that's exactly what she's gonna get. She's gonna go sing tightrope uh, for the Warblers, and you would think that that killer performance would have gotten her in, but the Warblers are still not down. They are not down. But you would think that they didn't really have that much legal ground to stand on if the if Jane's father had already won a lawsuit to get her into an all boys school to begin with. That would mean that all of the resources and activities that are available to students at Dalton Academy should be available to her. Obviously, they're going to use the loophole that, well, if she's not talented, then she can't get in. But Jane Hayward is not Sugar Mata, okay? Like, she comes in there and she knocks it out of the park with a Janelle Monet record um, tightrope. So uh, from from jump, we see that Jane is determined. She's headstrong. She sort of knows who she is and she's not i mean she's up for a good fight her dad's a lawyer that's what she knows yeah she's gonna end up getting a uh, bit of a coaching session from rachel uh by you know by help uh from blaine saying like oh you guys should connect i think rachel could help you out rachel gives her some tips and uh next thing you know you know when all is said and done after blaine tells her that she's not going to make it in uh jane's going to come back to rachel for some more help in uh in a more serious way because she's going to decide yeah i'm not staying at dalton i want to be in a club where i can sing and dance and perform so she's going to end up back at mckinley with the new directions uh at the, at the end of, I think it's episode two, maybe three, whatever it is, Rachel is going to talk to uh, Roderick and Kurt and say we have another member. So it's uh, now a two-person club with Roderick and Jane being here. And uh, and yeah, so it's, uh, you know, again, funny because it or not funny, but, you know, interesting considering the apparent uh, disdain that Samantha Ware had towards Leah Michelle, as did many other people. But um, uh, to see these two characters kind of bonding in this episode that brings Jane into the club. But that's that. Which makes me wonder, I mean, obviously, season six was deemed to be the last season. I'm not really sure when that became confirmed, because I know that at towards the end of season four, so like May of 2013, that's when the news dropped that Glee had been renewed for two more seasons. So it looked like the show was going to continue and to continue and to continue until around season five and after the death of Corey Monteith things sort of like took a turn and they decided to just slash half of season six. So I'm wondering in the blueprint for season six, because obviously they were going to return to McKinley. At, like that was always in the plan. Was Jane supposed to be, and I don't know if I'm thinking too deeply about this, but I'm wondering like what they wanted originally for this character. Was she supposed to, because if I'm examining new, new directions, right? They always follow a blueprint, right? You always have a new Puck, you have a new Quinn, you have a new Rachel, you have Mm -hmm. a new Finn. Where is Jane on that spectrum? Is she supposed to be the new Rachel? Because that's what it seems like to me. It seems like she's supposed to be the new headstrong person that wants to have their shot at something. They want to be a part of something special because it makes them special, even if it means getting their dad to go to go to town. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering is Jane do we do we see her as someone that is supposed to be uh, a Rachel archetype or is there really not enough there to really justify that because in my mind I feel like she's supposed to be and I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the whole thing with Leah Michelle. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think there is any any kind of connection to be made there at all, honestly. I think that uh, that's probably such a big reason why people connected with the season six kids uh, a little bit more than the season four and five era, because that era was about kind of, like you said, copying off of the format that they already had and the pucks and the, you know, making a new Quinn or a new Santana or whatever, a new Rachel. Uh, and this is like fresh faces. Like there wasn't a Roderick. There wasn't a Jane. There wasn't uh, a Madison and Mason. There was, you know, there was a, a special Spencer, there was a okay. There wasn't a Spencer. There was a gay character, uh, and there was Jocks, but there wasn't. There was, you know, that's not. You know, Spencer kind of combined the two, and that's why these five characters I think kind of stood out as like, oh, this is fresh. This is kind of new. This is, and especially because these characters are going to be directly interacting with the original kids. Like, right, that all of those kids are back for so many episodes here. Uh, whether it's the wedding or early on trying to bring the Glee Club back together, so it would be a little strange if you had like all of the first generation and all of the second generation mixed together on screen at all times. Cause it's like, Oh, so here's the two different archetypes for this one. Here's the two for that one. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't think that there was really a whole lot of intention for them to be like a copy of somebody we'd already seen. And I think they did a good job not doing that. Well, I don't think, I don't mean to say a, a, a literal copy. What I'm saying, because obviously when season six, before season six even began to air, we knew that it was going to be a, a truncated season. We knew that it was going to be the last season. So their characters had already been prepped and ready to be delivered in 13 episodes. But what I was saying is if I had to compare, if I had to, if I had to make the comparison where would these new kids fall within that archetype? And to me, it seems like Jane actually would be the Rachel archetype while not being quite a a, a, a redo of, of Rachel just because of what some other people say about her. I mean, even with, with, uh, with Madison at some point, she tells Mason, which we never see, but it's in the lore of the season and that Jane is a stage hog. She likes to have all the solos. Um, she... Uh, She's, you know, she's a bit braggadocious. And even though we don't necessarily see all of that um, written out, I can like, I, I can appreciate it for what it is as like side ancillary plots. You know what I mean? That's the only point that I'm making. I'm not saying that she's yeah, I- another Rachel. I'm just saying where in the spectrum would I put her? And I probably put her more on the Rachel side than not. Yeah, see, and I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't know that I would uh, track that as a Rachel thing. Like Madison is not the most reliable narrator here to tell us, you know, to tell us about Jane. Uh, I think anything that comes out of Madison's mouth about Jane is going to be uh, colored by the fact that she doesn't like Jane because Jane's getting closer to her brother over time. So uh, she's just kind of giving us this narrative that I don't think is the the fairest, uh, to say the least. Um, I put in our notes somewhere around here that Jane seemed like somebody that, uh, like, I feel like along like the Mercedes lines, like. Jane would have been the first one that if things weren't going well, like Jane and Roderick both uh, for the entire season, essentially, like the 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 older Glee kids, the Rachels, the Kurtz, whoever else comes back, they're constantly Jane and Roderick are constantly looking at them like, what the hell is happening here? Like, why is our club being run by two people who have all these issues going on and are using us essentially and these lessons to like to get to, to work their feelings out? Like what? Like this lesson is for you. We're going to Rachel's house house goodbye party because of something for you. So the two of them I feel like would not have made it very like Roderick was a senior Jane uh was not I don't believe so I feel like if there was like one more year for Jane in the glee club in the way that it was going as like Rachel in charge she would have been out of there starting the next trouble tones I think that she uh is just somebody who what like I, I don't think that she had the Rachel drive to you know make sure she was at the front of the stage she would have wanted to be which is kind of like where Mercedes was but 
if that wasn't the case, it's like, all right, enough of this. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and uh, take this, you know, at all times. And she'd go find Shelby Corcoran and start, you know, a new group again. So that's <laughs> that's my thought. Yeah, no, I mean, and I understand all of that. I do. Um, I, I think that we might be saying like two sides of the same thing. I'm just, I, I just felt like, you know, the, the, I, I do see her as a driven character. I mean, she, she's a straight A student. You know what I mean? And she's, she's someone that is, uh, knows what she wants and is very ambitious to the point where she tries to get into the world. And even though it doesn't work, then she just, she goes and she makes her own way. And I mean, and then she is mentored by Rachel. I just feel like she was within that path but of course like rachel is a very very over exaggerated character so when of course whenever you're comparing someone to rachel it's always you're always going to pale in comparison i was just saying i i wonder if she's within that camp more so than not but once again like season six is season six is quite an interesting season in which you said before in that it, it deals heavily with a lot of the original characters and the new characters really aren't the spotlight. So in a podcast where we're talking specifically about the new characters and I'm trying to make those comparisons, that's kind of where I see Jane, if I had to. Yeah. And and I, I hate to like draw a direct line from Jane to Mercedes and just be like, oh, this, you know, uh, that they're going to be the same character. But it does feel like she would be more along the lines to me of uh, of Mercedes than than the Rachel, because Rachel and Mercedes both did have that, that you know, the star power, the desire to be uh, up in the front and, and kind of thing. It's just, you know, both of them had different paths of getting there. Uh, Mercedes, Mercedes had a will blocking her from getting to where she wanted to be. And Jane kind of has Rachel now, even though they connected early on. Uh, it doesn't seem like Rachel was about to put. Jane up in the front but we don't know how that would have played out it, you know it ended up being uh, kind of like a mixed bag everybody got their own chance at one time or another but I don't know there was also not just Rachel in charge so it definitely uh, definitely worth talking about there so I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it but um, I guess speaking of some of the other kids uh, Jane will uh, we'll get back to Jane in a bit Mason and Madison are here and they are going to uh, add uh, double the double the club in size. Uh, not much to say here, but in these first couple of episodes, uh, we do have the unholy trinity that head out to the football field to see if they can recruit anybody from the new Cheerios. Uh, Kitty is there, but Kitty is not coming back to the Glee Club just yet. Uh, Mason and Madison are going to step forward and ask, "Oh, can two people audition together?" And they're like, "Of course you can. We did." And uh, not much here except we we learn about how their parents are uh, traveling performers, so they're not. A around and these two are obviously um characters like very in very like uh, characters in a, in a very literal sense uh as they join the glee club and santana's like wait a second i probably should not have brought these two back but it's okay uh we're happy to have them yeah this is okay this is fun this is fun i don't think that we've really seen this before because in a lot of ways obviously the obviously they are twins right so they're two separate people but they're i kind of consider them to be one character because they are seen together most of the time, uh, 90% of the time, they are together, uh, and they uh, are seemingly very, very, very similar. I mean, I think, I think that they are. I think seemingly, they think they are very similar to one another. They're twins. But then you, with the whole Jane storyline with Mason, that's when you see um, the two of them begin to sort of uh, divert from one another. But they are, uh, they are hyper. They're little balls of energy they're eccentric they um are sort of just uh weird eclectic people but you know people don't necessarily seem to to mind that much i mean kitty has a few things to say about them but 
they seem to be thriving in this new Sue Sylvesterian McKinley High. They don't seem to be on the bottom of the totem pole. I don't think that if, if a such a totem pole even exists at this new McKinley, um, they seem to be mm-hmm. doing well. Uh, and uh, them joining the Glee Club with such angst and such like eagerness uh, just seems like, yeah, it just seemed like something they would totally do, even though I hadn't even known them until they'd walked up on the field that day, if that makes sense. Right. Once they emerge and it's like, oh, can two people join? It's like, oh, okay, here are these two characters that are also going to join the club. But uh, but like I said, there's really not a whole lot to get into until uh, like the, the – the, the, I haven't mentioned this yet, but, you know, there's going to be one – pretty much one episode in this season that is going to be all about these kids. It's a child star that's going to come, you know, towards the end of the season, episode 9. And then also a little bit in episode 10 is they're going to join up with the Warblers. We'll get to all of that. But that's really like the main core of like if you want to have time with these characters, that is – is when you're going to get it. Everything building up to that is just kind of introducing them and, you know, allowing them a chance to sing once or twice. So, uh, you know, early on, we're just kind of getting to know them. So really not much there outside of like, here are these two, these two kooky kids joining the Glee Club. Um, but the last person here that we are going to uh, really want to be introduced to here, uh, Spencer Porter, who is on the football team. And uh, as Sam is going to describe him, a postmodern gay, or maybe Spencer is the one who says that, but uh, Sam is going to, you know, uh, tell Rachel, as she walks up to the football field. Uh, don't worry, Spencer's cool after Spencer is out here making comments about uh, stop being such a whiny homo, 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 just kidding. Um, stop being such a whiny homo is what he says. And uh, yeah, so he is uh, obviously this guy that is like, uh, you know, I guess not afraid for people to know that he's gay, but he also wants to kind of remain in this tough guy football. He wants to be the quarterback. He wants to be the starter out there. And uh, and that's what he's working on. Uh, Kurt's going to come to him at one point about joining the Glee Club in this early stage of recruiting people. But Spencer's not down. He's he's like, I'm not going to be mocked for it. The guys on the team are going to make fun of me. Like, I am gay, but I fit in well and all this kind of stuff. Uh, he's like, I am a rock star. You know, I know that for sure. I sing at home. I sing in the shower or whatever, but I don't think I can come to the Glee Club and sing and dance. That's just not going to work for me. Uh, and he, uh, you know, I guess we should pause down on, on this here because this is, you know, we're getting the whole, uh, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I know Gaga. It doesn't mean I know all this other stuff that you do, Kurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've talked, uh, at least twice about Spencer's <laughs> character at length. Yeah. I feel like we did a lot of his character analysis already. I mean, yeah, we know, y'all know how I feel about it. I mean, I, with some time removed, I mean, I, I sort of, I mean, I, I do sympathize with him a little bit more upon further examination because it's like, yeah, like when he says, you know, I don't like Gaga, I don't do this, I don't do that. Yes, there is a bit of that. Um, I think that I think there's just a little bit of internalized homophobia there, and not to, not to homogenize gayness with being a fan of Gaga because plenty of people will do that what I'm saying is it feel it, it felt like ew like you are just so determined to, to not be a part of anything that could be deemed gay because you don't want to be a part of that stereotype and for me I understand the notion that not all gay people are the same and wanting to make that clear I understand that what I don't understand is saying that the glee club sucks when you just said that you were a rock star and you enjoy singing, that's what the Glee Club is for. You don't have to sing Gaga. You can sing any old fucking thing. Please, like if Mr. Sh- like it makes me feel like if Mr. Shu had been the one to approach Spencer about joining the Glee Club instead of Kurt, 
saying, I got a good journey song for you or whatever. You know what I mean? With Spencer be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally game. Or because he's annoyed that Kurt came over to him and tried to recruit him. He's like, oh, so they got the gay guy to come over to get, to get me? Like, no, fuck that. Screw that. I'm not going to join the club just because I'm gay. And you don't have to join just because you're gay. You don't. You can just join just because you want to join and you like singing and you're a good, you're, and you're really not that, like, he's described himself as a rock star. That's not what I would classify him as, but that's fine. How dare you? I mean, I, I mean, uh, what does he sing on this show? That no, we, we have nothing to back it up. We have no idea that he is. <laughs> exactly. Or not. He just tells us he's a rock star. Yeah, okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Singing, ah, 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 I just want to be a rock star. Yeah, Adam Lambert is probably, that's, that that's rock star and he's the he's a gay guy okay <laughs> that that was probably the closest thing to a rock star that we've had him on, on glee um so yeah i mean i i i think i i liked what they were trying to do here i liked that they were trying to show that they understand that being gay doesn't necessarily mean that you are this person that gets bullied all the time and that you're not into sports and that you're strictly into musical theater and that you might be a little bit on the feminine side or, you know, all, all of what, you know, middle America might think of when they see gay people, right? Um, I like that they were trying to move in that direction. And I think that the writing, because I think that the, the very reason that I have such like a, a bit of a visceral reaction to the character is either a testament to good writing or a testament to bad writing. I can't really figure it out because mm-hmm. with Glee, it's kind of hard sometimes. You know it's, what? I, I'll appreciate something that I haven't said yet, uh, thought about yet, is the fact that, you know, the original Glee Club, we have a, a Canadian representative here with Corey Monteith uh, joining the Glee Club and joining the cast, and then Marsha Williams coming along and being the Canadian representative for uh, the new generation of kids. So, I don't know. There's there's something to, uh, to, to appreciate if maybe you're not a big Spencer fan. Uh, some Canadians in the club there. So, yeah, he's really not looking to join. Uh, Sue is going to even approach Spencer about uh, destroying the Glee Club from the inside, as is her M.O. Uh, you know, she doesn't have the unholy trinity or Kitty really, uh, I guess, not seeming like an option right now for that. So, Spencer, how about you come and, and take down the Glee Club? But Spencer rejects the offer. He's not here for it. Um, he's uh, I don't know if it's now or it must be in this episode and in this time where uh, Sue is going to end up getting him the Tom Brady flashlight. And he's like, yeah, no, uh, not not this. It's just not this. so inappropriate. So inappropriate. So too. wrong. So wrong. Uh, Spencer is also dealing with, you know, aside from the pressure to join Glee, he is uh, wanting to be the starting quarterback. Coach Beast is not letting it happen. Uh, Coach Beast is like, no, you're you're good at what you do. I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, the, the answer, the case is closed, not happening. Sam, on the other hand, seems like he would consider it. And Sam has obviously been hanging around the football team and, uh, you know, spending time with them uh, is eventually going to end up taking over uh, coaching duties when Coach Beast is going to take some time off. Uh, Spencer is going to come to Sue and say, I'm worried about Coach Beast. He's always late and been acting weird and has a bunch of pills in his desk and all this stuff. And uh, he's like, you know, uh, if there's something going on with Coach Beast, Sam could take over. He's young. He's fresh ideas. I think that'd be a great move. So, you know, this young student coming in trying to change the faculty of the school, uh, that'll always work, right? I mean, like, did you ever have a teacher in your school at any point where, or, or a teacher or a situation or a kid in your school, like some kind of situation where you genuinely thought that like this teacher is bad there's something we can do to get them fired oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) definitely and in some cases it's gotten pretty close and i think in one instance it's actually worked 
I feel like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm asking because that definitely was the case for us as well. It's like when you had a teacher or a sub or whatever it was that you thought was doing something wrong or bad. And I don't even remember if it was ever, ever anything serious, significant, like whatever. It was just like, if this teacher did this, you would be like, okay, if we all band together, we can report that this is happening and we can get them in trouble. Uh, I, I don't even remember what anything would have come up. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, for, it's to, definitely happened. And kids, kids these days, I mean, I think it's gotten even worse nowadays and not to make this about you know the american education system but i feel like i mean i've 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 you know remained in contact with a few teachers from now from uh from my high school time and they say that it can be really really hard to navigate that because as long as like if the if their kids go back to go back home and then tell their parents all this horrible thing all these horrible things about the teacher then the parents come in with complaints to the principal or to the administration about the teacher and the teachers can get really in some hot water and they end up being audited for a very long time and it's it's like real like kids have so much power in some in some school districts to just be like yeah it's it's really scary for some teachers it's kind of fucked up but uh, although there was this one time back in high school that there was this guy i'm not going to say his name but he was a social studies teacher or, or history teacher or whatever and he I think he, I think I just think that he wasn't a really good teacher and a lot of people didn't like him and he actually got caught by a student because I guess he but he I guess he accepted a friend request of a student on Facebook and then he went online on his Facebook and started talking about how he wants to just kill his boss which meaning our principal and then it got printed out and then the principal found out and then he got fired it was just like oh damn like why would you like how stupid Wait, do you have to what? be yes it was crazy it was like he he made a post about like I want my I want my boss to get run over by a truck or some shit like that and then one of the students found it, screenshotted it, and then it ended up like all around the school. And then he got fired. That is wild. I mean, that's that's on the teacher. Right? That, like that, that, point, that, like, that's definitely on the teacher. I was that just it reminded me the conversation. Yeah. Me of that. Yeah. No, that's definitely on the teacher. I'm thinking about times where it'd be like, oh, this teacher is like awful. We don't like them. They have a bad personality. They're mean or whatever. And you would like pick out little things that they do that are like, you're like, oh, this oh, is yeah. not something you should be doing as a teacher. Like, eh. I definitely uh, got I got into it. I got into it one time with a fucking teacher over that shit because I was in a class. I always got into it with teachers. You always. You did i don't know if i would say always but i definitely i I had this teacher should have been fired she should have been fired or she should have been something should have happened to her nothing happened to her and i didn't like that at all but i remember i was in this it was this art class i was in it with my twin sister imani um and she had she was friends with this girl named natalie who was jewish um and they 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 were friends enough to the point where these jokes were inappropriate and they shouldn't have been made but we were young so whatever but they didn't we didn't they didn't mean it to each other maliciously um natalie said something like well i forget why they were on this topic but natalie was like jokingly saying well imani why don't you go back to africa then or something like that and then because imani didn't know to say jerusalem or israel she was like well why don't you go back to jewland or whatever um, and the teacher who was Jewish then decided to jump in after she heard Imani say that and then started calling her all these horrible things like you're a horrible little girl, like you're racist. And I'm like, did you not just hear this Jewish girl over here tell her to go back to Africa? Like, why is it? And so we got into it. Like, I like had to like leave the room. I went straight to the principal's office. I like 
like yeah. I, it was really, really, really bad. I got in so much trouble for it, and I was so pissed because I was like, that was regardless of whatever these students were saying, it was up to the teacher to defuse the situation, even if it was a joking matter. You sit the both of them down and you say to them, look, that was messed up. The both of you need to apologize. You don't decide to then pick on the black girl for saying Jew land after this. Oh, I'm so riled up. I cannot believe I'm on the topic, but I am done. All right. <laughs> oh, no. no, I feel you. I, I, like if I ever think of an example to bring me back to that place, it does get you fired up again. It's like, oh no, I did not go through that. Uh, <laughs> like absolutely not. Because some of the stuff was just truly unbelievable. And like I like sometimes you want to like like look at it from an older perspective, like where we are now. And I'm like, okay, the teachers are going through a lot of shit, right? They have a lot of kids to deal with. There's, it's impossible for them to hear everything. And sometimes I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But in stories like this, I'm like, okay, you didn't know the story. Why are you jumping in? I'm getting mad for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. I don't know. They, they have a lot to do. I, I, you know, we, we try to uh, be like teachers should be getting paid more because that's absolutely true. But there are, you know, there's going to always be some teachers that are just kind of. Yeah. Uh, not everybody's not all teachers are equal. That's just not all case. teachers. I'm, uh, we'll pull out the not all teachers uh, <laughs> for, for this one here. <laughs> Maybe one of the few times I'll uh, I'll take that answer. Uh, so there's that. All right, let's let's calm back down. <laughs> I cannot believe this is the last thing that I expected to be talking about on the season six character analysis. Yes, uh, Coach Beast is going to be out for a bit, like we said. Sam is uh, going to uh, again uh, talk to Spencer here while they have some more time. Uh, just you know, I guess them whatever uh, sp- uh, to pitch him again. Be like, dude, you really should join the Glee Club. I don't think it's going to make you any less cool. I was in it. Uh, l- like, look up at the jersey up there. Finn Hudson, our our quarterback, he was the one who started this. He was the one who got you know who made it cool to be in football and in Glee Club. Like he paved pa- paved the path for this to be uh, a thing. And you need to you like you you should follow in his footsteps. I think it would be a great way for you to be a leader and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that wins Spencer over. Spencer is going to join the Glee Club. We'll talk about Kitty more when we get to Kitty's podcast, but during this time also, Kitty has rejoined the Glee Club after a bit of an emotional pitch from Rachel. So we have a team now. We're here at the Hurt Locker. Uh, obviously, this, <laughs> these two episodes are way more about Sue and Kurt and Blaine than they are about the New Directions, but underneath all of that insanity, we do have an Invitationals that has come here. Uh, the Vocal Adrenaline Group uh, with Clint and the Warblers uh, have all come to compete. They do their performances over those two episodes. And then we get to the end of episode uh, five. Rachel and Kitty have put together a set list of songs that are really going to get to Sue Sylvester to make sure that they are going to win because Sue is the judge. Uh, We get Father Figure, It Must Have Been Love, All Out of Love, all from these new kids. Some really touching, slow performances that they do the job, they win Sue over, and they end up winning the Invitationals. They get back to the choir room, they uh, have a new trophy to put in there because Invitationals is suddenly a trophy giving out opportunity. And uh, everybody seems to be on a good page here. Roderick is going to thank Rachel and Kurt for being such great teachers and you know five episodes in we've got a functional glee club and it's all it's so nice yeah this is sort of that that moment where they all come together and you are able to see them as they are and they're like oh the new directions are back against all odds they are they are back with a vengeance take a look at me now I knew that was coming I knew you knew it was coming and it had to come anyway it just can't stop okay sorry um, you said it, not me. Uh, what was I watching today? I was watching the challenge preview, um, the the one that I was just telling you about before the podcast, and they played uh, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World," and I was like, "Oh wow, <laughs> where's the blame?" Oh version? yeah, I meant to text you. Was it yesterday or two days ago? 
I don't know. I was out shopping mm-hmm. once again, and another Glee song came on. It wasn't the Glee version, but um, Tongue Tied came on. And I'm just like, I'm being stalked. It's only when I'm outside shopping. It's never like like if I'm like on a walk somewhere or on the subway or in an Uber. It's always as I'm shopping. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, the audience should know I get a lot of videos or texts from Amon while he's out in a store or wherever. Uh, and and a song starts playing that was from Glee. And uh, usually I'm distracted by uh, whatever mask you have on because you have a lot of uh, a lot of really bright and uh, and character masks and whatnot. And uh, that's that's usually where my attention goes to. I like masks. Well, I like colorful masks. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, especially on Thanksgiving in the middle of nowhere. Like, I was like in the boondocks of uh, Virginia at some random grocery store and i forget what song was playing but it was it was i was in an obscure place and they were playing an obscure song and i was like what are the odds what are the odds so strange <laughs> yeah, pretty good. there's 700 something glee songs so that's true odds are higher than you think that's true so we have a functioning glee club here um uh, over in uh transitioning episode seven uh coach beast is going to come back to the school of course and sam and spencer both uh kind of take the lead here to make sure that he's protected and people aren't being awful towards coach beast uh so not anything particularly strong for spencer there but it's just a little i guess showing uh the good side to his character because we are presented with a variety of uh different spencers that we've seen so far i don't know if we talked about this before but do we think that there was a bit of guilt there because of the fact that he was trying to get coach beast fired and now he realizes oh this is because he was going through something like this so now i mean not to say that he's not a decent person anyway possible but like i I just wonder if there's like guilt at play because of the fact that he was you know you tried to get this guy actively fired and he's you know transitioning yeah totally possible um i don't know that I've that I read into it much. I guess this is the podcast where we would be reading into it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was just like those are the guys that were hanging around with Coach Beast during the football time, and Coach Beast needs somebody to protect him when he gets back. He doesn't need somebody to, uh, you know, he doesn't need the, these kids to to come protect him. But it's nice to have these friendly faces around to uh, just show support, show encouragement, and be like, if right. anything goes wrong, like we'll be there to to step in. It's like you know, the adult is probably like, no, you shouldn't do that, which is I think exactly what Co- what Coach Beast says, but. Uh, still, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's just nice to see Spencer on the better side of where he could have been for for all this. So, um, yeah, uh, Rachel's gonna throw a house party, have all the kids over for Rachel's going away or goodbye to her house uh, party, and uh, not much specifically about the kids there. This is obviously more about Rachel and Sam and Kurt and Blaine, but they're all gonna have a good time. Spencer, not Spencer, Roderick and Mercedes are gonna do all about that bass. Uh, remember, we had the wheel, and we didn't get to see everybody else's songs, but um, or any of the other kids' songs, but uh, we got that. So um, you know, some some costumes, some uh, accessories being put on by all the kids. Uh, but that's, you know, fun times. It's it's not till we get to episode nine here, Child Star, that we're really going to get into things with all of these kids and focus a lot on them. So we swing back around. Let's talk about Roderick again here. And Roderick is struggling to get up the rope in gym class, and it's not working out for him. Yeah, um, this was the rope climbing episode. And Roderick can't climb the rope at the beginning, but then he can climb the rope thanks to Spencer's encouragement at the end. And even after he climbs the rope, he's even been inspired to start working out more and eating healthy and all of that, which is nice. Cool. Great. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything that will prevent Sue from screaming that you're a fatty. Uh, I And then throwing you take, into the pig I mean, pen. Not that, yeah, not that that's their job to make this person stop 
calling them awful names when she's a teacher and educator, but that's Sue Sylvester for you. Uh, yeah, he's been just totally humiliated, uh, not being able to get up the rope, and Spencer's not making it any better. He's like, yeah, you're a lead weight, dude. You're uh, totally uh, holding yourself back. And Roderick is like, maybe you could help me? Like, I don't know why you're being awful, why you're being such a dick. That's just Spencer. That's his personality. So, uh, you know, Spencer doesn't seem very interested in helping at all. But things are going to kind of turn around a little bit because uh, Roderick is actually good friends or at least working on a group project with somebody else in uh, a, one of the classrooms. Uh, Alistair here is uh, hanging out with Roderick. Spencer peeks into the classroom, sees them together, and he's going to come on over and uh, make his presence known. Oh, hey, Roderick, uh, you and me going to the gym later? Like we're hitting, uh, hitting up the gym, hanging out, working out. Oh, you're friends with. Oh, this is so what, what a convenient time for us all to be here together. Yeah, um, this is so random and so uh, fast, but I guess that's how attraction works for some people. And I, I guess I guess you can just look at them and in be high like, school. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's. I mean, you've never like looked at someone that you've never seen before, and you're like, oh my god, that person is just beautiful. Like that's happened to me before. Yeah, but the the approach here from Spencer to like. Oh, well, jump on the opportunity. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's well, I mean, that, that's why that's definitely wild. But I feel like I've definitely seen that kind of behavior happen as well in real life. But <laughs> mm-hmm. it never really serves that person well. But it, it's it's happened. It's never happened to me. Thank the Lord. Spencer is, you know, going to going to do a whole 180 here. Try to get uh, Roderick to, you know, I guess be friend or be friendlier to Roderick uh, to not come off as an asshole right in front of Alistair. And, you know, so that that's uh, the start of this all here. He's going to try to help Roderick uh, be able to climb the rope, but he's just yelling and degrading him at a certain point And, you know, can't really hide it for too long. Roderick is going to end up snapping back on Spencer and calling him a dick, which is absolutely true um and uh and that's really what's going on there before we get to the uh to the what am i trying to say the bar mitzvah uh which is obviously going to be coming up so uh myron is trapped in his pod up at the top of the stage and who's going to volunteer to go to the top uh not roderick himself but spencer for roderick sue is like oh spencer get up there like you're the athletic guy go uh go get myron down uh, Spencer's like, no, not me. There's somebody else for the job. Somebody else can do this. And they're like, Roderick, it's all you. Roderick goes up there. Oh my God, he can climb the rope. He did it. He gets him down. Extremely dangerous. Uh, I don't know why any of the teachers, anybody in the area allowed this to happen, but we got the job done. Roderick was able to climb the rope. And in turn, now Roderick is going to see if he can go convince Alistair to come watch Spencer perform and uh, see if maybe he'll give him a chance. So all right, sure. Yeah, um, this is, uh, I guess, the unlikely friendship that develops over um, a, a, a mutual benefit, right? Um, but I guess this relationship can blossom between Spencer and Alistair. I, I think one of the one of the best things about this for me was uh, was when Roderick called spencer out like once spencer actually came into the room and tried to flirt with alistair and uh, roderick was like that was flirting that's that's what that was like that's that you're a creep like this is what you think (laughs) this is is coming from the guy that you know says that he doesn't really have a lot of friends he doesn't really hang out with a lot of people but he's still perceptive like he knows the t he's like what are you doing like you're just like you're weird (laughs) like i might not be able to climb up a rope but you can't 
you're not gonna be able to climb him. Like it's not gonna work. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. So yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know, just to kind of talk, uh, this is this is essentially Roderick's story. Like, right? It's it's uh, you know, Roderick's story was that he uh, doesn't have a lot of friends, ends up getting bullied a little bit by Spencer, and then Spencer kind of tries to manipulate the situation and get Roderick feeling good about him for a half a second, so that Spencer can go, you know, make out with Alistair in the choir room. Uh, is essentially what's going on here. You know, mm-hmm. again, there's not not enough time for all of these kids to have significant stories, but over the very few episodes that that Roderick does get, you know, you would you would have liked to see maybe the arc complete for him, but like he's like, oh, music is my only friend, but I would well, maybe not his mind arc more did friends. complete because maybe he ends up dating Kitty. Well, that's interesting. I mean, we see the How'd two get there because we see the two of them together watching Rachel win, but. What suggests that they would be together, or you're just maybe throwing that out there, like maybe? Uh, it's it's a possibility. I mean, there are the like no one else from that era of the show was seen in that scene except Kitty and Roderick, and they're standing next to each other, and they're both seniors at the time. Who knows? Oh, I'm, I'm not not against it. I just uh, hadn't considered it. I'm I'm down for any of. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I don't like I my my uh, heteronormative brain is saying up. Oh, a guy and a girl standing next to each other. They must be fucking. <laughs> but, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, we've had crazier uh, fan fictions of relationships on here before, so it wouldn't be uh, too wild. But yeah, so uh, Roderick is able to get up the rope, and uh, he's happy about that, and uh, he feels pretty good. Spencer's going to find Alistair in the choir room. They seem to have a, a good conversation for the first time. Alistair's going to find Spencer charming, and he's like, you do have some very nice dance moves. Uh, Spencer talks Alistair into joining the Glee Club. Of course, they need more numbers still to get to uh, enough for the sectionals performance they have coming up. And, you know, the seal the deal with the kiss there. So that's what's going on with Spencer and Roderick. The other side of this episode here, uh, of course, I mean, Myron is around. Uh, of course, we we are meeting him for the first time here. He is the superintendent's nephew, and uh, he's going to have this bar mitzvah that's happening, and that's what all of this is going on for. Uh, he wants the New Directions to perform at the bar mitzvah, and just a crazy character uh, little Myron is as he comes in and, you know, all of the kitty dealings. I don't have any notes about him, but I'm, I'm recalling this all off memory, but, uh, you know, he has Kitty kind of uh, working by his side or, or trying to at the very least. And uh, I, I don't know, you, you had nice things to say about Myron. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Myron. Like you said, the son of the superintendent, he introduces himself to the Glee kids as this uh, uh, the child superstar. I mean, he, he wants his bar mitzvah, uh, yeah, bar mitzvah to be perfect. Uh, he's going to perform. He wants all of the young ladies to marvel at his Myron-ness. Um, he wants to arrive in a Fabergé egg, just like Lady Gaga at the 2011 Grammys. He wears sparkly outfits and has sparkly backup dancers. He, uh, has Sue read the Torah to him. Like, he has Sue whipped into shape. Okay? Yep. Like, if there's anybody that I can... Granted, he's the superintendent's nephew. Granted. But even if you weren't, I just feel like... (laughs) Hmm. I just feel like Myron would have her uh, just had have her run ragged. So, yeah, Myron's Myron's a lot of fun. Uh, You know, he he kind of he bursts onto the scene in his first episode, then kind of fades back a little bit. But he's still lots of fun. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about him uh, and maybe even a little bit more when we get up to the songs and talk about his uh, Lose My Breath performance, see where that slot in. Hitman! And uh, some of the other, him and Break Free of it all. So, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about Myron. Uh, we, you know, talked about him in his episodes. He's fun. Um, but the other side of things here is uh, Mason and Jane and the blossoming romance here. Uh, they are kind of, I think, told to pair off for the uh, bar mitzvah performances. Uh, Mason's supposed to be with Madison and Jane's supposed to be with Roderick. Mason's going to stop by Jane's locker, invite her on a date to breadsticks, but Madison's going to walk by and ruin the whole mood because she's obviously clingy and tells Mason, you know, that's not in your diet. You can't eat at breadsticks. Uh, Mason goes to the boys to talk about his crush on Jane and kind of talk through some of these problems. Like, it doesn't seem like he's able to really talk to Jane because of his sister. Um, Mason is going to end up asking Jane, would you want to be my partner? Like, can we switch things around? Uh, Madison obviously gets in the way and prevents this from from really happening. He's going to talk to her and, uh, you know, he's going to talk to Jane and try to make it happen. Jane's like, yeah, I really don't want to get in the way of, of Madison. But uh, if you want to go do all the work here and tell, you know, Roderick and tell Madison that the partners are being swapped go for it i'm i'm down but uh she's like i'm staying out of the, the drama here at the bar mitzvah itself mason's gonna perform i want to break free uh which kind of feels like he's trying to break free away from his sister at the very least and uh we're gonna get a scene of them afterwards uh talking about their relationship uh in a little bit more detail than we have seen so far yeah um this is like a bit of backstory for the characters I and mean, we don't really get too much from for any of these characters really um, and we learned that their parents really aren't around too much, which has made Madison feel like she needs to be the one to take care of the both of them. And she explains that it's hard seeing him get close with another girl because he's she's always been that girl in his life. Um, I've never felt that way about my twin. In fact, my twin doesn't feel the same way about me either. And again, in fact, like, I mean, my twin is my number one fan. She's probably uh, the person that believes in me the most. But she is begging for me to end up with somebody. <laughs> like, she, is not, she does not need to take care of me for the rest of my life. If anything, she is tired of being, she is tired of being Amon's mouthpiece. She is tired of being the person that has to be the liaison between the rest of the family and one Amon Adwid. So... I can't quite re- I can't quite um relate to this twin dynamic but the uh the affection that they share for one another I I relate to and I and I and I feel for Madison here like yeah she takes it over she takes it overboard but I mean that's her brother like that's I mean they've been together their entire lives and she just wants to make sure that he is taken care of and you can't just trust anybody with your family you can't Especially when you're in your formative years in high school. It's just, you know, it's risky business sometimes. And, um, yeah, you got to loosen the leash a little bit. But, you know, she can still be a bit. I mean, I, I, I'd much rather have a protective sister than one that didn't give a fuck. So um, I feel for her. For yeah. sure. Yeah, obviously the joke here for these two is uh, very clearly about, you know, these two are often talked about throughout the school or whoever that they're dating, Madison and Mason. They're like, aren't you guys going to get married? Like, and uh, Kitty's like, uh, someone has to stop you from marrying your brother. So, yeah, that's the the running joke. And it's, you know, obviously because these two are just so close. Uh, of course, they're twins, but it seems like they have an extra level of just attachment and always being together, doing these projects together, spending all of their time together. It does. Uh, like, if I joined the school uh, as a new student and saw them at a lunch table together, I'd be like, oh 
oh, look at the cute couple. They're probably, you know, so happy in love. Um, but that's not the case. That's uh, these two are brother and sister. And Mason is looking for some space because he really likes Jane. He wants to spend time with her. Madison is being a little protective uh, and kind of taking it out a little bit personally towards Jane. Uh, like you said earlier, talking about how she's a stage hog. And she even makes a comment like her hair takes up the whole stage and, and all this stuff. Uh, so just throwing in any dig <gasps> to, uh, to make Jane She says seem- she's shitting her wig. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. to make uh, Jane seem, you know, in a bad light there. So uh, luckily by the end of this episode, they're going to come around and come to an agreement. Like maybe we, you know, we can kind of take a step back and be a little bit more independent. We're going to be okay. We're, we're always going to be there for each other. We always are going to, you know, uh, love each other and, and support each other. So uh, they're able to come to that understanding and it's very nice. Uh, we go into episode 11. It is time to get to sectionals. Uh, the Warblers are going to be joining the New Directions because Dalton has burned to the ground. Well, that sucks. Uh, Jane, in particular, not too thrilled about it because she tried to get away from them and now they have followed her here. Uh, especially because they're going to be making a whole fuss about their blazers, being like, we need to wear these. These are our identity. It's all we have left. Uh, and the New Directions are like, no, you're not doing that. But eventually they come to this conclusion of uh, let's wear the uh, the red blazers. We're going to be a new team. We get that rise performance where they all get the new blazers and they look like a team now and they're all happy and content with this decision of the red uh, blazers so I, I you were pro red blazers right or were you not a fan uh, um, kind of indifferent like yeah i'm kind of indifferent about them I, like i would never buy a red blazer in the way that i bought a dalton blazer but uh i like them they, they look okay um i i think when we were talking about our cover art I, one of my suggestions was like well you know if you don't want to like you could wear the cheerios thing you could wear the uh the red blazer for the new directions because i knew i was wearing the dalton blazer in in our drawing but uh he went with the cheerios outfit which i think uh worked out really nicely shout out mandy yeah i felt like we had to have a nice balance i felt like we both couldn't be warblers mckinley had to be represented no. somehow well you said you said it yourself i'm not a warbler <laughs> i'm not a warbler i'm not <laughs> so you would not catch me at no dawn academy uh, the New Directions are going to get glitter bombed before sectionals. Of course, a, uh, a gift from Vocal Adrenaline to shake them up a little bit. The Clint era is really, uh, you know, making their mark, trying to intimidate the competition. Roderick and Spencer are uh, trying to work on their dancing a little bit because uh, they are being talked about amongst the entire new group here that they are not very good. Uh, they get some help from Mr. Shu. Next thing you know, Spencer has sprained his ankle. Uh, Roderick is going to go with him to go get help. Spencer is not... You know, he doesn't really have many options here. He's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to take this cortisone shot and go back on stage. Like, I'm not missing this performance. Uh, He goes from, you know, not even wanting to be in the Glee Club to being willing to, you know, dance on a sprained ankle uh, during a performance. But Roderick is going to come up with a better idea. And we're going to see that when we get to sectionals, Uh, we get this uh, these three performances here. We have Take Me to Church, Chandelier and Come Sail Away as uh, Chandelier, of course, is the one where Spencer is going to come swinging in from a chandelier per Roderick's idea. Uh, We also have Myron in that number that comes in as Sia herself. And uh, yeah, three really good numbers here. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where they land in the list. You're picturing Myron. Yes, I'm picturing Myron and I'm picturing the the black lady judge, I forget her name, but it was the the same as season one. And she's like, can I ask this question again? What the hell am I doing here again? (laughs) (laughs) You know what song I did not wake up needing to hear? Hey, Mickey. (laughs) She was so disgruntled the whole time. Oh, my God. Such a a mood. Who was that? Uh, Donna Landry's? There it is. Donna Landry's. 
Uh, yeah, she was, uh, she was not trying to be there. Um, but obviously, uh, that ends up going well for the New Directions because Sue, who has been working for Vocal Adrenaline at the time, uh, picked out a great song list for them in any other scenario, but these songs were not made to resonate with the judges. And even though Vocal Adrenaline knocked it out of the park, uh, vocal, the, the judges all loved the New Directions performance and they're going to go on to win sectionals. So, Look at them go. They are a strong team now with the Warblers combined in there. You got Kitty, you got Jane, Madison up in the front. Some really good numbers there. And uh, they're going to go take home sectionals, and they're going to keep on going all the way to nationals. We go to the finale. Dreams come true. The New Directions celebrate their big win at nationals and a very brief flash forward there for them. Uh, Madison, Jane holding hands. It looks like they're still together and happy. Uh, you know, obviously, this is a little bit later on in the in the show. Um, Roderick and Kitty are going to obviously graduate. When the alumni come back, we're going to see Kitty with the alumni on that side of the room. Roderick, I guess, missed the invite for that one, but it's okay uh, because we go back to New York. And as you were talking about earlier, we see Roderick with Kitty and Tina and Artie, Mercedes, Kurt, Blaine, all watching Rachel win her Tony. So, uh, you know, once a new direction, always a new direction, I guess you stay together and uh, they were all hanging out there. Nice to see that. I lived is going to happen. All of them will be back, except for Myron, as we talked about. It was going to be a little hard to make Myron look five years older than he was at the time. But everybody else uh, comes back all red, all nice and uh, dressed up. And it does seem like Mason and Jane are still together and everybody is all happy to be back there. So there is your season six, kids. Season six, kids. Yeah, um, a nice sprightly bunch of youngsters. Lots of fun. It would have been cool to see them in a full season. I wouldn't have minded that. I mean, I would, but I wouldn't mind more Glee in general. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I think that you may have been right. Besides what I was thinking about with Jane, I don't think that we really touched on anything new. But yeah. still worthwhile. Worthwhile to review it all, to put it all in one nice little package here. If anybody ever forgets about the season six kids and you want to come back and listen to this, we'll remind you of everything that happened because that is everything that happened. There's not much, but there were a lot of good performances. So as much as, you know, we can't really sit here and, uh, break into a whole lot of new ground of discussion about these kids. We can talk about their songs. So uh, unless you have anything else, I don't really have anything much to wrap up on them. Yeah, they were all fun. That's that's really all I have. Uh, anything else for me before we switch over to the songs? That's it for me. All right. We've got 18 songs here. That's uh, the most we've had in a while because we're going to combine all of these characters and all of the performances that were done from the New Directions in Season 6 from this group of New Directions. Uh, actually, before we get into the songs, I uh, I didn't talk about this yet, uh, but uh, Gold Stars, I always like to recap the Gold Stars. We had uh, pretty much an even spread for all these new kids. Uh, Jane got a Gold Star from you in Episode 2. And Spencer, not Spencer, Spencer didn't get any gold stars, but that's totally fine. I'm not mad about it. Uh, Roderick got a gold star from me in episode nine. He climbed to the top of the rope. He kept his cool with Spencer. So he got one there. Uh, Madison and Mason both got their gold stars from Matt Gagan in episode two as they joined and they uh, just put a smile on his face there. Mason also actually, uh, Mason did get the most, I guess, because he got a gold star from you in episode nine uh, with his I Want to Break Free performance and, you know, his talk with his sister there. So uh, at least the, those four, the core members, you might say, of that group that were there at the beginning uh, all got at least one. Mason getting two, Spencer getting zero. And, uh, you know, Kitty also got some in the season, but this isn't Kitty's podcast. Screw Kitty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad that I only gave him one star, Mason, because that proves that I can be objective. 
<laughs> sure. Let's go with that. So there is the Gold Star check-in. And, uh, of course, it's time to get to the songs for this group. We do have a good amount today. We've got 18 songs we're going to go through and talk about. Uh, there's also included in here some songs that usually wouldn't be included. Uh, some songs that are specifically like just the New Directions. Usually you wouldn't get a New Directions song thrown in in a characters podcast but this is a podcast about the season six kids as a whole so we have all of the songs that those kids were participating in as well as you know the ones that they uh sang all together so uh we're gonna do all of them here start from number 18 work our way up to number one are you ready i'm ready anything I'm looking ready. at the list there I'm that you uh, hope to see down at the bottom as we begin with the worst rated songs I feel like a lot of the songs that they sang to Sue will probably be towards the bottom, maybe. I'm wondering will Rise will place, because I'm not the biggest fan of original songs, but I don't hate that song. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't think that I hope to see anything at the bottom. I just hope to see certain things at the top. Okay. Well, we'll get to that when we get to that, because I feel like uh, both of us have similar rooting interests when we get towards the top. But here we are, down at the bottom, number 18 of the Season 6 Songs Countdown. Let's get into it. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. It's Friday, I'm in love Monday, you can fall apart Tuesday, Wednesday, break my heart Oh, Thursday, doesn't even start It's Friday, I'm in love Saturday, wait And Sunday always comes too late But Friday never Spencer Porter, Friday I'm in Love from uh, Child Star Episode 9, where he's trying to uh, talk about, well, he's not directly talking to Alistair, but he's in love with Alistair. Uh, it's pretty obvious. And uh, yeah, an underwhelming performance. This would be my pick for the bottom here. So I'm glad to see it make it there. Yeah, I forgot about this awkward ass performance. We are all on the same page. All of us. Everyone listening to this podcast. Almost. <laughs> almost. Uh, I'll, I'll keep this. Uh, I'll keep a track of this. Uh, last time when we did the Emma podcast, most of the picks were pretty lined up with the audience. There's a couple here that are kind of like not really, you know, in exact alignment. Uh, this one was a little bit higher on the audience's list, but not by much. Uh, but it lands here at number 18. Uh, and you know what I was thinking about? I'll just say this now before we get into the rest of them is just because I feel like not to discredit the audience's opinion, but I feel like there are just only so many songs from season six that are memorable at all. And I'm looking at their side of things here and the memorable ones are the ones that climb to the top, which is fair, but there are a lot of good ones that are kind of forgotten about along the way that I think we highlighted along with the rewatch and anybody who maybe did rewatch with us probably, you know, kind of got on board, but maybe they didn't. We'll talk about it as we go, but yeah, Friday, I'm in love at number 18. Friday, I'm in love. Nothing to call home about from Spencer Porter there. So no, not quite. Number 18. Let's keep on moving. Here is number 17. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two, but I can shake it, shake it like I'm supposed to do. Because I got that boom, boom that all the boys chase and all the right junk and all. 
faces. I see the magazines working the Photoshop. We know that this ain't real. Come on, now make it stop. If you got beauty, beauty, just raise them up. Cause every inch of you is perfect from the bottom to the top. Yeah, my mama, she told me to As you know, I'm not about that bass uh, here. Sorry. Uh, season, uh, why I see season six? They're all season six. Uh, all about that bass from episode seven with Roderick and Mercedes. Like, I'm glad that Noah Guthrie got a chance to sing with Amber Riley. Uh, this performance did a little bit better on the audience chart, uh, a little bit higher. Uh, neither of us were like the biggest fans. And I guess that kind of sunk it down a little bit towards the bottom. But yeah, I, I, I didn't need this on Glee. It was just way too timely. You know, this was a song that came out around the time and they were like, oh, we got to get it on the charts. But yeah, I, I didn't need it. Yeah, I also think that um, this, uh, at least personally for me speaking, this was around the time where I began to pay a lot more attention to pop music and how it worked and how formulaic it it could really be, which isn't necessarily always a bad thing because pop music is my favorite genre of music. But I just remember like the whole advent of Megan Trainer being so canned and so uh superficial and forced and don't get me wrong i love that this is a song about empowerment and not uh ascribing to uh, stick figure body types i think i think that the song is definitely um has a great message but in in, in its translation to glee it's very hollow it's a very hollow performance and I can't believe I'm saying this about an Amber Riley performance. It has nothing to do with Amber. It's just the song. Yeah. So it's a hundred percent the song. Like these two obviously have great voices, and on on a if you gave them a song like uh, any other song, I feel like it would have been something that would have been like, oh my god, Roderick is a great singer. He got to do this with uh, Mercedes, and it's just it doesn't sit you know super well. I think it made it as high up on the audience side of things because it's a memorable song. I guess you kind of remember this scene from the party, but I don't know. It's just. Uh, it, it's fine being here at number 17. I, I will not complain. So there you go. Sorry. Like I said, not about that base, but yeah. All right. Number 16. Here we go. That's all I wanted. Something special, something sacred in your eyes for just one moment to be bold and naked. All my emotional triggers. How can this be? Sometimes I think that you'll never understand me But something tells me together we'd be happy A little while ago, I had the honor of calling Senator Barack Obama to congratulate him. I have just called President Obama to congratulate him on his victory. Said that they care, but the life that 
this is the good part of the song, but I'm pausing it here. Uh, this is when all the the the, uh, the kids start to march up to the front of the stage, just one by one. It's really cute. And uh, if you were confused about what was going on in the middle of that song, there is uh, the scene you might remember of Sue Sylvester watching all of the Republican candidates lose over that course of time where uh, Obama was uh, taking all the wins in office. And obviously, Sue was not very happy with those outcomes, uh, screaming at her television. But here is Father Figure from that Invitationals in uh, in episode five. And it's really led by Roderick here. Yeah, I felt like you were experiencing lots of schadenfreude right now, watching Sue lose uh, <laughs> both her McCain and her Mitt Romney. <laughs> Definitely flooding a bunch of feelings right now in regards to what just happened in the year 2020. Thank the Lord! But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised that this is down towards the bottom. I felt like these songs uh, were, I mean, they're nice and everything, but these Sue songs are a bit, uh, they're just quieter, the they're word? slower, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're yeah. all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, when you think of standout New Directions reason. numbers, it's uh, not front of mind there, but definitely a good number. And like I said, I like the part where they're all, they're, they're all dressed, of, of course, like a team. I like that. Um, and, you know, there's still going to be two more songs from this set list on this list here. So we'll uh, see what happens when we get to those. But here's uh, Sorry Roderick for the back-to-back Roderick songs down towards the bottom. But we'll see the next time he's going to pop in. Uh, here is number 15. I'm so pretty. I'm too hot, hot day. Uh, Call the police and a fireman. I'm too hot, hot day. Make a dragon wanna retire, man. I'm too hot, hot day. Say my name and know who I am. I'm too hot, hot day. I'm a band about that money, break it down. Girls hit you, hallelujah. Girls hit you, hallelujah. Girls hit you, hallelujah. Uh, Roderick, sorry, you're uh, actually still in here at, uh, at, at number 15 as well. Uh, Jane, Roderick, and Spencer kind of take the lead here on Uptown Funk at Myron's Bar Mitzvah. And yet again, we've got another very timely performance with Uptown Funk. I miss Bruno Mars. I, uh, I'm a big fan of his latest album, 24 Karat Magic. It's so good. And I was expecting him to make his return this year because usually people wait for three to four years between album cycles but no it's now been four years and where you at bruno where you at um i guess you know 24 karat magic is really a a tough act to follow because i mean he won like album of the year and i think record of the year for for, for the album and the song so like it's yeah um but uh yeah it kind of falls into the same trap as all about that bass although i mean of course it's going to place higher because it's uptown funk it's it's just a lot of fun 
it's uh yeah it's it's uptown funk what do you like what do you want it's uh where did it where did it place on the audience's list on the audience's list it actually placed second to last uh we still haven't gotten to the audience's last last pick just yet but uh they had uh uptown funk even lower than it ended up landing so you know what i i'm with you guys it's just it's it is what it is uh there is uptown funk and uh just to swing back around i forgot to look at the combined list and see if anything made it to the bottom five while we were talking about these bottom songs and one did uh friday i'm in love with spencer has snuck its way down to the uh bottom five overall so it uh, didn't quite knock out uh the you're all the world to me from emma and will from the bottom spot or anything above it. We Right now, the bottom five, you're all the world to me. You got Marley in the first Noel. You got Puck and Finn. You got to fight for your right. You have Puck singing Loser with Finn at the, the uh, sheets and things. And now right up the, uh, the the top of the bottom five, you got Spencer with Friday I'm in Love. So there's an update on that. But uh, let's keep moving here and get into number 14. to see if we could get a uh, coach beast line in there the first time he gets to sing in a while but yeah uh break free just knocking out a bunch of these performances from the bar mitzvah here uh i don't know i don't know what do you have <laughs> zed and ariana this was ariana's you mean myron and and Ariana. <laughs> yeah myron and zed um yeah, I, I I like this song. I like this was a fun era for me for Ariana. I still think that Dangerous Woman is her best uh, pop work, um, but Break Free is lots of fun as well. Um, I think that this was such a a really cool uh, sort of ensemble number. It kind of features the entire cast. You get the New Directions. You got Rachel sort of like heading the song. Then we get some Mr. Shu, uh, Coach Beast, and Sue involved as well. Sam is even in there too. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love the outfits. It's so sparkly and shiny and everything. And I just think it's a number that you don't really expect to happen. And then it gets pulled together. And I, 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 I enjoy it. It's definitely one of my favorites of season six. I'm not really sure what I ranked it. Um, but uh, I, I enjoy this performance. And freaking uh, Leah Michelle getting up there with that whistle register that I did not know that she possessed unless this was some sort of help in the studio. Or it wasn't Leah Michelle and it was somebody else that did it. But somebody did it. Uh, This song was uh, in the same spot, essentially, on uh, both lists. So uh, I don't know how much you love it compared to some of the other songs. You must like a lot more songs a lot more uh, because it landed here at 14. But I mean, yeah, it's it's weird to see everybody all together. Uh, Coach Beast up there with Will and Sue and Rachel and and then all of the new the younger New Directions. This is more of like even a Myron song, the way he comes down in that pod from the top of the stage once they get it working. And then he comes in with that whole verse there and he's going to get more later in the song. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably really enjoyed having Break Free on Glee when I was watching this the first time through. And now I'm just like, all right, what's, this is weird, but let's let's do it anyway. 
So there is that. Number 14, break free. Uh, let's keep on moving. Number 13. She sees him walking in a straight line. That's not really her style. And they all got the same heartbeat, but hers is falling behind. Nothing in this world could ever bring them down. Yeah, they're invincible, and she's just in the background. And she says, I wish that I could be like the cool kids, cause all the cool kids, they seem to fit in. I wish that I could be like the cool kids, like the cool kids. He sees them talking with a big smile. Be like the Glee kids, because all the Glee kids, they seem to get it. No, they don't. Um, number 13, Cool Kids. Um, yeah, I like this performance where it is. I like it at the end of the song. It feels good in the episode that it's in because it's like at the end of the song, at the end of the uh, the episode, it's like you have Alistair, you have Myron now. It's like, okay, we're really getting there. The numbers are, are adding up and it's just a cute little number for what it is. But I don't know how often I play it back. But yeah, I don't I play like it back it. too often either, but it's definitely a song that I uh, really enjoy every time I watch it. I wonder where it'll rank in terms of New Directions. Wait, is this the – no, this is a – yeah, 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 this is a closing – this is a closing number, right? I'm not confusing mm-hmm. it. Yep. Oh, I was confusing it with – um, what's it called? Rather Be, which is an opening number. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I like this a lot. Uh, I like that Kitty sort of like takes the lead towards the end. Um, it really sort of like exemplifies her leadership uh, to the new kids for me. So yeah, that's what I kind of associate this song with, and I think that they all sound really good. Mm-hmm. They sound good. Uh, this isn't—I uh, I don't think by any means Kitty's strongest vocal performance. No, I do like at the end of the song, which we didn't get you know to play, but uh, when they're all standing in the circle and Kitty—I I talked about this—I know when we watched it the first time, and like the cutest little Becca Tobin moment, just dancing back and forth with her arms like right in front of her chest, like swaying back and forth, like the cool kids, like the cool kids, and I'm doing it even though nobody can see me right now, but that's fine. Um, so, so there is uh, number thirteen, uh, one of our two new directions numbers that uh, are not quite like assigned to a character, at least in my notes. It's like all all the team here. Uh, let's keep it moving with number 12. Have you ever felt like you woke up on the wrong side of your heart? Has it ever felt like it's broken, like the world tore it apart? Have you felt so weak? You could hardly stand. Like if you ever fell, you can never tell if you'd ever get back up again. No, it's hard to do, but I think you can make it, cause I know we can take it, baby we will. I, I know you said earlier you don't uh, love this one as much. It has grown on me a whole lot. And I wish I could have seen it a little bit higher up the list. Maybe it will rise, as the title suggests. 
uh, over time. But I don't know. Just Darren also played this at his con- his uh, decade, uh, you know, at home concert a few weeks ago. A reminder, if you don't remember, that Darren Chris wrote this song and uh, you know was lucky enough to get the producers or the whoever to uh, let them do it on on the show itself. And you know that makes even more sense when he comes out in the middle of the number with the jackets and he gets to be on stage for the performance in one way or another. Uh, so yeah, I really do enjoy this number. It's like one that I actually do uh, have started to kind of play on my own here and there. I mean, I mean, it's kind of like I, I kind of feel similarly to how I feel about some of the other ones, right? Like it's not, I don't hate it, but it's Glee is a musical comedy, right? It's not a musical. If this were a musical song, I'd probably like it a little bit more. But the thing about Glee and the original songs is that they are always singing these uplifting numbers that are supposed to mean a lot towards the audience that's been watching these kids. But that shit doesn't mean anything to the judges. In the context of the show, it means nothing. So it's just like, granted, this wasn't a competition song, which is probably why I feel like it works a lot better. But to me, it's still just like, it's just a bit too Disney Channel for me. It's just a bit, just just a bit too much. I like that. I love that. I love the Disney Channel of it all. If it it works. Like, I I don't want the, like, Break Free also, I feel like you could look at, like, a Disney Channel performance, but, like, this one, I feel like what you're saying, like, it comes with, like, a message behind it. This could be at the end of High School Musical or something like that to, like, to to show, like, this is it. We did it. We're gonna rise and, and show the world and all that kind of stuff. It's like that corny aspect of it as well. I don't know. Just some of them work out obviously other songs like outcast are not going to work out as well but uh it's like a similar vibe so maybe that i don't know if it has anything to do with you know where you're at with it yeah i mean it's i don't i don't hate it like i'm i'm trying not to give it a hard time um but it, it's not my favorite rise above the ashes for this love passes <laughs> if y'all like it i love it um, and that was the other of the New Directions numbers that I was just talking about that uh, is not really led by anyone in particular, but uh, there it is. It was, again, pretty similar spot. Actually, uh, the first song to be the exact same spot on both the audience's list and our list. Uh, would have loved to see it a little bit higher, but I won't be too upset about it. So there it is at number 12, and let's keep moving to number 11. Oh, yeah. Put your flat feet on the ground uh, What I say now Listen, all you wanna do is ride around Sally Ride, Sally, ride All you wanna do is ride around Sally Ride, Sally, ride All you wanna do is ride around Sally. Ride, Sally, ride. All you wanna do is ride around Sally. Mustang Sally, uh, Roderick here. We Roderick, Roderick pretty much had like four, maybe five songs that were on this list, and uh, making most of them not make the top ten is. Uh, pretty sad because of this guy's great voice that he's got on him but a lot of the other performances just kind of stood out a little bit more i guess you could say so i don't know uh mustang sally here at number 11 from roderick with the unholy trinity by his side yeah i just wonder if it's because like i said like the, we don't really get a lot of we, they focus so much on roderick's voice and not so much about like distinguishing his character that much so i feel like none of his songs pass off as moments 
all of his songs are just like, oh, look at that guy. He's got, he's got a really nice voice. Like he does. He never has a song that's a moment. At well, least see, for I, me. I think his uh, the last one left on the list, uh, "Take Me to Church," is still left on here somewhere. I feel like that's the moment. I feel like that's his biggest moment. Yeah, that's why it's you know mm-hmm. higher up a little bit. Definitely, definitely. So. Um, but yeah, I mean this this performance just oozes charisma in that voice, and he's just he's just really really. I mean he's he's got a nice voice. He's got like this really soulful grit to his timbre, and uh, no wonder people were so taken with him on America's Got Talent. Yeah. So there's Roderick, number 11, Mustang Sally, just missing the top 10. But uh, let's get into the top 10 with a performance that I feel like will get a reaction out of uh, somebody on this podcast. Can you keep up, baby boy? Bring the noise. Hit me high. Ooh, I put it right there, made it easy for you to get to. Now you wanna act like you don't know what to do After having done everything that you asked me Grabbed you, grind you, liked you, tried you Move so fast, baby, now can't find you Can you keep up, baby boy? Bring the noise, hit me hard Can you keep up, Bring the noise, hit me Ooh, if you can't make me say ooh Like they beat of this drum Lose my breath uh, from Myron there as we uh, are, are first introduced to the character. Uh, what do you got here? Yes. I love this. I love that he's like, if you if you pause the video, at, I think it's like at 116 or 117, Rachel's face. Oh, all of them. <laughs> I just saw Madison's face. Like, they look like they're seeing the Boogie Monster come to stage delivering a performance of whatever. Like, it's so Yeah, funny. but I don't know what the hell Rachel was on at 116, 117. That was, that was crazy. But um, the, I, look at him. Like, he's keeping up with the choreo. He's got so much star power. It, it's just – it's so fun and so outrageous. And <laughs> when he rips off – that jumpsuit and sue is just like what the fuck is going on i'm like sue you are the bitch that likes to shoot girls out of cannons and this is what's taking you back (laughs) i just uh i love this performance so much remember when i said we had not yet gotten to the audience's lowest ranked number this was their lowest ranked this was their oh y'all haters y'all are haters this if anything you cannot tell me that this is not entertaining if anything, now vocally speaking, I mean he sounds fine. Obviously, you know he. I mean he's he's like what? He's like uh, I don't even know, like eleven, twelve when he sings this. Like not every kid is gonna be. It's it's a Beyonce number, right? Like it's hard to sound like Beyonce. But I think that this is probably one of the more entertaining numbers in the entire season. It's just so funny. And who has the last laugh? Josie Tota Alpha doing the Save by the Bell reboot right now and killing it over there. So. Uh, yes. she's uh, she's emerged as a huge star post uh, Glee as well. 
or, you know, big enough. Um, I, so yeah, uh, if you couldn't figure out, Amon definitely had this in top tier, I stand iconic uh, performances. Uh, I had it, I think, a tier below, as I really enjoy it, because I do really enjoy this number, and I guess that was a, a big enough boost to raise it off of the pits of the floor that, uh, <laughs> that the audience decided it deserved to be in. So that's why we split things up here on our podcast. So, <laughs> Love it so much. <laughs> there is Lose My Breath, uh, Myron at number 10, and uh, number 9 to keep things moving. It must have been Why don't we just decide beforehand that this doesn't have to mean anything? We make a promise right now that it means nothing. Let's do what we have to do. And all around, touch me now. I close my eyes and dream away. It must have been love, but it's over now. It must have been So we're in agreement. Doesn't mean anything. The only reason that we're doing this is because it's the only way that Sue's gonna let us out. Because Sue is forcing us. Forcing us. On the count of three. One, two, There is uh, It Must Have Been Love from Invitationals, where we have got the Hurt Locker of it all happening. Kurt and Blaine are locked in an elevator. Scary, creepy motorcycle Sue, motorbike, whatever Sue comes out. Uh, you heard it all happening there, but yeah. Uh, Kitty and Spencer pretty much taking the lead on that one. And uh, yeah, It Must Have Been Love. Yeah, I'm going to assume that this has something. I wonder if like... Because of like the whole claim of it all, if that bumped it up in a lot of fans' Absolutely. eyes. Absolutely, yes. The, the scene, the, the video it of it all, yeah. <laughs> Sue is just fucking crazy. Because that song, it's like, you know, it's it's nice and slow, and then once you get to like that part where they're, all right, we're going to kiss, and then they end up making out for like a solid like five seconds, and then it must have been love, and like you just get like a big, you know, uprise back in the song again. Like, it's it's a funny scene. But it's all Yeah, uh, I feel like you might be a little surprised to see it up here, considering you were thinking most of those songs from that uh, from from that day would be more towards the bottom. But this is only the second one of three. Yeah, um, I mean, I uh, in, until I realized that Clean was involved, I was like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah, each of these performances seems to have you know a scene going on inside of it as well, and uh, kind of you would think distracts it a little bit, but I guess not because it you know helped I think raise this one up. To where it ended up being so there's number nine it must have been love and uh let's keep on moving to number eight oh, 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 yeah. 
led by Jane there on uh, Rather Be with the New Directions, opening things up at the uh, start of episode 10. That one stands out, you know, as a good Jane performance. I miss Jess Glynn now. Where is she at? She's got such a great voice. Every time we get to uh, your part of the analysis, it's more about the artist than it is about the performance. <laughs> well, this was like a 2015 into 2016 was a good year for pop music for me. I just I loved that whole era of time in pop. I uh yeah and this is this is solid and Jane sounds great. We get a little bit of Kitty in there. Kitty is obviously towards the front because this is a more of a choreo intensive number, so we get to see a lot of her as well. Um, yeah, this is like their first performance. Is like the where they have like almost enough members, right? They do because Myron's um, here at this point. I don't like, think yeah. This is at the top of the episode ben- before the Warblers actually join them. Yeah. So yeah, this is a uh, this is like the fully fledged new directions that Rachel has brought together. So I, I love this number. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this is one of the songs that was popular at the time that I wasn't like, Oh, you know, glee, whatever uh, is, uh, you know, or, or I should say looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh, they had to do this song. Like, no, this was a good song. I agree. Uh, I loved the, uh, the, what was coming from the artist at the time. And yeah, Jane kills it with this one. So made it up to number eight. Uh, where did it make it on the other list? Audience had it at number nine. Yeah. All about the same spot here. Uh, number seven. I'm lying alone with my head on the phone Thinking of you till it hurts I know you hurt too, but what else can we do? Tormented and torn apart I wish I could carry your smile in my heart For times when my life seemed so low It would make me believe what tomorrow could bring when today doesn't really know doesn't really know i'm all out of love i'm so lost without you i know you're right believing for so long
Man, that's a good one, right? Oh, uh, Sue is is loving it in the audience. She is in physical pain from uh, the these songs hand selected for her. You see Kitty in the beginning of the song staring over to Sue, knowing that she did what she was supposed to do, uh, capturing Sue's entire like heart. Uh, Sue's like singing along with it as well, and uh, you know those uh, background noises you were hearing was Sue uh, during her auditions for a bunch of parts back in the day that she did not get uh, cast for, uh, unfortunately for her so uh just a lot man of sue has lived a life man a life yes <laughs> like, she has uh yeah this song's nice it's uh, uh it's i love a good ensemble number and they sound great and of course uh my boy mason if there's going to be one song out of the three of these sue songs that was the top of course it'd be the song with my boy on it so I'm happy, and this also means that, like, two of the other songs that my boy is in are at the top. No, three, actually. So <laughs> I'll take it as a win. Yes. So there is the last of the Invitational's numbers, All Out of Love, placing at number seven. Yeah, to look ahead at this top six, we have uh, a couple of good songs left. We have all three songs from the Sectional's performance, which were... Uh, at the order of the uh, sectionals performance itself, we had Take Me to Church, Chandelier, and uh, Come Sail Away. And then we have three other songs still in the mix. We have uh, Jane's Tightrope. We have uh, Mason's Come Sail Away. And then, of course, Mason and Jane's uh, Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet, uh, that I'm sure uh, both of us are hoping to see higher up. as uh, one Oh, of we favorites. know what that's going to be. Do we? Yes. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, let's keep on moving and uh, break into or break, break. I don't know. A lot, a lot of break in this uh, in these song titles. Let's break into the top six and uh, and check that out. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. Throw them back till I lose count. Chandelier, uh, the first of our performances from the sectionals there where, uh, yes, Spencer comes swinging in on a chandelier and yes, Myron comes in with a whole Sia performance in the back while Madison is up on stage, killing it with the vocals, a strong number there and uh, no surprise to see it high up. Uh, I just wish that they would have had like a modulation in this song because Laura Dreyfus, the girl that plays um, Madison, has such a good belt like i wanted her to take it just one one key signature up so we could hear her just pierce that note but it's fine she sounds amazing as it is already um obviously lots of fun you get chills when spencer comes out on that dumbass chandelier it's so stupid (laughs) but it's so cool at the same time yeah this is a crowd pleaser i mean everybody was obsessed with this damn song when it came out so props to sia yes and the uh the judge 
is uh, very much uh, feeling something while Myron is uh, dancing all around her. She's uh, he wants to get out of there in the first place, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Myron won her over a little bit with the uh, interactive performance. So there was a chandelier as we move into the top five. Here is number five. Some people talk about you like they know all about you. When you get down, they doubt you. And when you're tipping on the scene, yeah, they talk about it. Cause they can tip on the scene. What you talking about it? T -t -t talk about it. When you get elevated, they love it or they hate it. You dance up on them haters. Keep getting funky on the scene while they jump around you. They're trying to take all your dreams, but you can't allow it. Cause baby, whether you're high. Tightrope from Jane Hayward there uh, might be a bit of a surprise, I would uh, imagine. I'm putting myself in the audience's shoes to see it here at number five, uh, which might make sense as an audience member because for the audience it was number two on their list. But there were a couple of songs that just kind of slipped ahead of it, uh, landing it at number five overall, which is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. Um, I think this is uh, a good placing here at the top five for Jane and Tightrope. Yeah, this is fun. What a nice performance to get introduced to her character. Um, and it's just so apropos for her voice. I mean, it's just, it sits so well and it's, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I yeah. agree. Yes. <laughs> what else to say? I mean, everybody knows this is a, a great performance from Jane. You know, a solo here essentially for her, uh, the top of the list for Jane's solos. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff there. So. The Warblers are idiots for not letting her in, and then they have to come crawling back to her and the New Directions later on, and that's on them. So there's that. Uh, top four here. We got three songs with Mason McCarthy. One song, uh, Roderick. Of course, uh, one song with Mason also has Jane on it as well. Um, Roderick as well trying to, uh, to find his place in this top four. Any predictions as we go forward? I'm going to say I Want to Break Free is next. All right, let's see. Number four. My lover's got humor. She's the giggle at a funeral. Knows everybody's disapproval. I should have worshipped her sooner. My church offers no absolute. She tells me worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Take me to church. I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. I'll tell you my sins so you can sharpen your knife. Offer me my deathless death. Oh, good God, let me give you my life. In the madness and sorrow of this earthly scene. Only Take me to church. 
Roderick is uh, not able to outdo the power of Mason McCarthy here in the top four. Um, but as he landed here at number four, audience, you should know that you did have this performance as your number one. Take Me to Church was the audience's number one, ultimately landed at number four. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I guess that was uh, all our doing then. <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, I mean, it's a solid performance. Like I said before, this is like what you mentioned before. And like, this is the moment for Roderick, right? So uh, I think that this definitely is his moment. I think he sounds great. We knew who's going to sound great, um, which is why they gave him the, the most songs. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful performance. It's a it's a powerful performance for sure. It's uh, definitely one of the most memorable, of course, which is why it landed there at number one for the audience. You 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 definitely remember Roderick singing "Take Me to Church." Like if you don't remember anything else about uh, the season six kids, you probably remember. Oh yeah, there was that guy who was really good and sounded awesome on "Take Me to Church." Uh, I mean, probably uh, out of all the characters you remember, Roderick and Jane, I think are the, or would be like the top two uh, most memorable for uh, whether it's a casual or somebody who hasn't watched in years. And uh, this performance stands out for sure from that. So there's Roderick at number four. Um, what else to say? He kills it there. So Roderick could not crack the top three of Mason songs, as I mentioned. So let's get on into them and uh, not waste any more time. Set an open course for the virgin sea Cause I've got to be free Free to face the life that's ahead of me On board I'm the captain So climb aboard We'll search for tomorrow on every shore, and I'll try, oh Lord, I'll try, oh Lord, I'll try to carry on. I got the ring of angels, I've been sang to me this song of hope and this is what they said they said come sail away come sail away come sail we've got come sail away with me from uh, the last song here from the uh, say i always want to say nationals nationals is what's supposed to end a season but the sectionals uh performance here and uh, him and mason uh, him and madison at the beginning of the song it's great it's great I mean, it's kind of like the Nationals of the season, and that is the only competition that we really get to see. So I do get a Nationals that we flash forward to, but it we still see is nothing of it. Nationals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is this is fun. This is like this is the last one that they perform, right? This yeah. What it's uh, it "Take Me to Church," Chandelier, and then they close it out with this, which has got you know some killer vocals from Mason, and then you get the Warblers doing all their warbler dance moves uh all around the stage and uh they close with you know a typical new directions line across the uh front of the stage and just uh you know yeah good strong finish all comes together at the end 
Come, Come sail, sail away. away. Oh, not us both singing at the same time. Okay. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun there. It's one of my favorites. So I'm glad to see it there. Um, the audience had it a little lower. So we definitely give that one a boost. They had it at number seven. We boosted it up to number three. Both of As us. As we should. Had it at the iconic I Stand tier. And that's where it belongs. So there's that. Uh, number two. I, I Actually, I should let you pick, right? You should guess where you think they're going to fall. What is it? Will you love me tomorrow? And and I want to break free. You thought I want to break free was going to be number four. I did. I didn't anticipate everybody else liking it. Um, it it's got to be. I mean, at this point, it's a win-win for me, but it'll be a win-win-win if the best song, in my opinion, is number one. So I have to say I want to break free is going to be number two. All right. Let's play it. Here's number two. Season six countdown. Mason McCarthy, I want to break free. Uh, don't, audience, don't go ahead thinking that this was, you know, all just like, oh, they love Mason. They put all of his performances at the top. You guys have this at number three. This only got a bit of a boost uh, here to make uh, its spot at number two. Uh, I would have had this below all of those other songs. I, I love this performance a lot, but I would have had Come Sail Away. I would have had Take Me to Church and Tightrope all above it. But uh, between us loving it and you guys loving it, that's where it lands here at number two. I want to break free. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't anticipate it being uh number two either, but I will gladly take it. Gladly take it. That's what happens. Like um, I said, when, when it's a song that is like liked a lot by both parties, it ends up with very good numbers making it towards the top. Even if I feel like uh I would like I said, I would probably agree that some of the other songs maybe would have made a little bit more sense, but I don't know, whatever. It is what it is. I'm not complaining about it anyway because uh, I love all the Mason songs, so happy to see them here at the top. And that does, in fact, mean that uh, what you think would be number one is number one, but let's play it and talk about it after. Señor 
breathe it in, take it all in, take that in of Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet mashup with uh, Jane Hayward, Mason McCarthy, lands here at number one on the overall countdown, and uh, Amon, it landed at number four on the audience countdown. Tonight with words unspoken, oh, when the night, when the night meets the morning sun. How dare you guys put that shit at number four. It's so good. I don't know how many times I'm going to sing this song on this podcast. I feel like that's probably number five. A lot. And that's fine because it, uh, yes, deserves this number one spot. Absolutely. I'm also a little annoyed at you audience members for listening to us rant and rave about it. And how dare you not also make it your number one and your favorite. But it's fine. We're here to help out and make sure that things are all good. Uh, this song and what else? We had two songs that you and I both had at that top tier. It was this and Come Sail Away were the only two songs that were both, uh, you know, the maximum amount of points given from us. So uh, there's that landing here at number one. And uh, there's no arguments to be had. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. Whoever was the, uh, behind the idea of mashing up these songs in particular, Kudos to you. And then the instrumentation, because there was a way, there was plenty of ways to do it for mashups, right? Like typically on Glee, one song is the bass, and then the other song is sort of like sprinkled in there. And you could have made Head Over Feet the bass instead of having Will You Love Me Tomorrow the bass. But obviously, someone knew what the hell they were doing and they made it the way that it was. And then they chose these two characters to sing it, and it was the perfect voice. Perfect mashup, perfect songs, perfect timing. Just everything just aligned for this to be the greatest song. Ugh, yes. Love it. Um, no surprise at all to see it land up there. We both loved it a lot. Uh, and it might be, is, is it the one song? Like maybe outside of like, you know, the obvious songs that everybody loves. Like maybe the song that you and I agree on the most of, of love towards it. Could be. I think Probably. Probably. Um, so there's that. Mason and Jane with the number one song of the evening here today. And yes, they did crack the overall top 10 uh, with Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet, making its way into the top 10. I will uh, read back from the bottom to the top of where we are right now in the top 10, and we'll see how high up it placed. Uh, there was a couple of other songs from season six that made it into the top 20, but we don't really check that out too often. Uh, Tightrope, Take Me to Church, Come Sail Away, and I Want to Break free all did make it into the top 20 of what we have with all of these characters so far uh, how many songs do we have overall right now we have 114 songs that we have discussed so far so all of those songs making it to the top 20 not bad but uh all right from the top uh sorry not from the top from the bottom to the top in the top 10 we have turning tables holly holiday we have i feel pretty unpretty quinn and rachel at number nine Never Can Say Goodbye, Quinn at number eight. She's slowly slipping down there, Quinn, careful. Uh, number seven, The Lady is a Tramp, Puck and Mercedes. Number six, Mason and Jane, Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet. Number five, Nasty Rhythm Nation. Number four, New York State of Mind. Three, Singing in the Rain Umbrella. Two, Maybe This Time. Number one, Landslide. And all of these songs, yet again, reminder, will be probably nowhere to be found once Santana Lopez and Blaine Anderson enter the mix. So uh, enjoy it while we can. Enjoy it while you can, because she's coming. She is <laughs> That's all I can way. say is that she's coming. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, just as uh, anybody, I'm sure, would be uh, terrified to know Santana Lopez is coming to them, uh, whether you're in Ohio or New York, uh, be afraid, anybody on this list, because Santana is coming eventually. So we'll get to that. But uh, closing thoughts uh, from you. Anything else for this list for the, I don't know, anything for today? Uh, I do have a DM. Nothing. I don't have any more closing thoughts in terms of anything for season six, but I just wanted to acknowledge this DM that I got on Instagram. Um, it says, hi, I'm on. I love the choir room podcast. I think you and Matt are so funny. And I'm currently listening to your Noah Puckerman character study. I love your song opinions. Although I do agree with Matt more. I think your choices are great too. (laughs) Maybe you guys already did this and it's not in my feed yet, but I was wondering if you could do an episode of your glee on popular opinions. I think it would be so interesting, and I'd love to see a, de- uh, a debate if you and Matt disagree on something. It's just an idea. You don't have to do it. Love you guys. Um, so thank you so much. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. I'm going to think that it's Sindhu. Thank you so much, Sindhu, for this message. Um, I showed it to Matt, and I kind of agree with what he said in that I kind of already do that. I feel like I'm, <laughs> uh, I feel like I have a wealth of opinions that aren't necessarily popular, or at least a wealth of opinions that don't coincide with Matt's. So I feel like with every episode, you're going to get a conversation like that. That being said, maybe we can do a podcast where we revisit controversial subjects that we've talked about. Like if we could make compile a list and then revisit them and see if anybody's minds have changed, that'd be interesting. Um, But yeah, I feel like I feel like that's kind of something that happens every podcast. So it's yeah, that, definitely happened on this one. So at the very least, yeah, it does happen uh, for for many podcasts. Uh, in terms of Amon's glee opinions, tends to be uh, the unpopular opinion or the Amon opinion, uh, whichever way you want to call it. But yeah, I think that'd be a fun idea to uh, compile a lot of those opinions because I, I mean I have some as well that I'm sure I've thrown out there that are not you know the most agreed upon. So uh, maybe kind of make some kind of like bracket or something. Maybe we'll save that for March uh, in bracket season in the. Uh, Robin Akivanita podcast style of things, and maybe we'll uh, bring some back to light. Maybe when we get through a couple more character studies, definitely a uh, a good idea. So thank you uh, for that idea, and anybody else who continues to uh, come, you know, write to us with any thoughts or anything like that. So always appreciated. No new iTunes reviews this week, but uh, would love if you are out there and are listening and would leave us a review. Uh, always greatly appreciated. Also, we don't say this very often, but uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, tweet us, retweet us, get the word out there. That's like a very minimal thing that you guys can do to help us out and get more people uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, just always, uh, you know, we're still making content, still keeping this going and uh would love to have uh, even more people come find us and come hang out and uh, spread the glee. So uh, would appreciate that. Anything that you guys, uh, you know, also um, make sure that if you are interested, uh, we have the PayPal, of course, at all times. If you have any interest in that, we did get a donation from somebody on PayPal uh, this week. Uh, th- uh, Keisha, thank you to, uh, to Keisha for a donation over on the PayPal. Uh, if you have not uh, or if you're hearing this and you uh, you know re- want to reach out on social media so we can thank you personally, uh, would love mm-hmm. to do that. So that's all that I have for today from Matt. Anything else from Aman? Yes, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Keisha, for that donation. It really means a lot. Um, and for those that are continuously inviting us into your ears every day or every week or however often you listen to the podcast i think that is it for me i think i had one more thing to say but i forgot what it was so i'll just save it till next time 
But um, all right. You can follow us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. Follow us individually. I'm gonna want Adwin. Matt is at Matt Lavori. Leave us star ratings and reviews whenever you get your pod, wherever you get your podcast. We will leave them a lot on the show. Um, and until next time, we will see you later.